Hashtag Pistons Podcast. I'm Joe. We're back after a long hiatus. I am your host. You can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore truck. I'm joined as per usual by Mr. Kumail Cahill. You can find him on Twitter at NBA. You can also find him on YouTube at Ku's Ballroom. Um, so it's been a while, obviously. Uh, we kind of, while the league was all in flux, I suppose technically still is, we just kind of I don't know, we were just kind of waiting to see where things would go. Um, and now at this point, it seems pretty clear that there's not going to be any more games for the Pistons, at least. Pretty much every report suggests that even that they're not likely to come back at all. And if they do, it's going to just be something for the playoffs. So I just kind of, we kind of feel comfortable moving forward with kind of end of season stuff, uh, recap type of stuff and whatnot. Um, so I don't know how much we're going to get into that kind of a thing today, but... Uh, we will we will at some point. So, um, we're going to start off with talking about, because that's, you know, limited stuff to talk about. Um, I think after this podcast, we will start to do just recaps for, for basically all the players on the team, just one at a time. And that should take us through quite a while, at least until all this quarantine stuff is over. Uh, but... Today, we're going to talk about Laurie Markkinen. Um, so there was a report that came out that was, what, yesterday or two days ago? Um, and set, basically said that he he might be looking to get out of Chicago. Uh, so he has one more year left on his rookie contract, which will obviously be next season. Um, and this past season, Laurie Markkinen played in... 50 games, he averaged just under 15 points and just over 6 rebounds per game, shot 34% from deep on large volume. Um, those are all lower than previous season is in his career. Uh, his second year, he put up an impressive 18.7 points, 9 rebounds per game, shot 60, 30, not 63, that would be something, 36% from deep. Um, he did have some injury issues this past season. So, Ku, I will let you start us off here. What do you think about the possibility of the Pistons potentially poking around Laurie Markkinen? I've already said earlier on Twitter that uh, I would be interested in trading for him, but I'm not interested in giving up this year's first-round pick. And as some people tweeted at me, well, then you're not actually interested in him. Then I guess I'm not interested in him because I'm not giving up this year's first-round pick. So if that's where we're at, then I'm not very interested at all. What if... So, okay, so... I'm not sure how they're going to decide lottery positions, but um, so the Pistons finished the season then 20 and 46, and it's a little bit messed up because not everyone played the same number of games. Um, but I believe they would be tied for third worst winning percentage in the league. So they're 20 and 46. Atlanta is 20 and 47. So, actually, so they'd be ahead of Atlanta, just barely. So they'd actually be tied for fourth, I believe, with Minnesota. Because Minnesota won 19 games, but also lost 45. So they're one behind in each. So, what if what if a tiebreaker ends up happening there, and they put the Pistons fifth overall? So Still it's not, not a top three pick? No. So, even if they're it's fifth not overall, it. not worth it. Okay. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that people. I'm not sure that it's gonna. It would take that to get him, just for what it's worth. Uh, 
Um, I didn't think so either. Especially if he really does have a real, like, really does make kind of a stink to leave. Um, he would not be cheap to get, obviously, but I wouldn't be shocked if it was less than that. Um, so the main thing I kind of wanted to say about this, unless you've got something else, do you have anything else you want to add on? No, go ahead. I'll go off of you because okay. that's all I had to say. So here's time. the main thing that I have to say about this. So after the Pistons traded Andre Drummond, I said many, many times, the Pistons need to give Christian Wood minutes at center. And it wasn't because, and it was always confusing to me because it's so many, so many people seem to not understand what I was saying. Like every single time in my recaps, people would be like, why do you think he's a center? He's not a center. Okay. It's not that I thought he would be better as a center. It's not that I think Christian Wood projects long-term as a center. It's that the Pistons had to find out whether or not he could play center because they have to decide how much they want to pay him and they have to decide other roster things as well. Instead, they played him only at power forward and we've talked about why this was a bad idea. The fact that Lowry Markkinen is now available only furthers how incredibly dumb it was to not give him practically any minutes at center after trading Andre Drummond. Because here's the thing, okay? So Larry Markkinen, now he is seven feet tall, but he's played some center in Chicago. It really doesn't work. We know that for a fact, okay? We know for an absolute fact, Larry Markkinen is a power forward in the NBA. So if the Pistons were to have interest in him, that would mean that Christian Wood now has to be your center. And we don't know if that can work or not. So you look at it, so let's just say instead of playing Christian Wood all power forward after the Andre Drummond trade, instead they play him at least like half and half at center. Let's just be optimistic. Let's say he kills it. He does really well. And most importantly, he looks like something around an average defensive level center. And there's good hope that with a little more experience there, he can maybe get to at least about above average as a defensive center, which might be a little ambitious, but not totally out of the question. He's tall. He can jump pretty well, obviously. So, you know, maybe. If he does that, then going after Larry Markkinen makes a ton of sense because a Christian Wood can be a above-ish or around-average defensive center, then you compare him with Larry Markkinen, and you've got a killer front court that's also on the same timeline. Larry Markkinen is the same age as him almost, I think. Larry Markkinen is almost 23, so he's like a year and a half younger than Christian Wood. So then it makes a lot of sense. But on the other hand, if you play Christian Wood at center a bunch, and it really doesn't work, and it's clear that this guy is just, he's not going to be able to hold up defensively as a starting center every night. Uh, you know, maybe his offensive game is a little bit worse, whatever. Just clearly, he's absolutely much better as a power forward than as a center. Then you know for a fact, okay, if we're keeping Christian Wood long-term, Larry Markkinen makes no sense. And this is specifically why it's so criminal that they just didn't try him there at all. Because now, Larry Markkinen, who is a really good young player, I don't think he's quite as good as some people make him out to be, which is another thing altogether, but a good young player, and a guy who the Pistons hypothetically might have interest in, and they have to go off of total guesswork as to whether or not they should go after him. Because so right now, if you trade something significant for him, so let's just say, okay, let's just say that they did trade their first-round pick this year for Larry Markkinen, okay? 
and you come into next year and they play Christian Wood at center and it doesn't work. You just traded away a top five pick for and basically blew it. You've got two guys who can't play center and you're never going to defend against anybody. On the other hand, what if they decide Christian Wood is a power forward, we're not going to trade for him, we have no interest in it, and some other team gets him for cheap, right? Like, I don't know exactly what would be cheap, and I'm not saying this is likely, but let's just say some team, it looks like, I don't know, the equivalent of the Pistons could have maybe gotten marking him for like Bruce Brown and a second round pick or something like that, okay? That's pretty exceptionally low, but let's just say we're just talking hypothetical, okay? You do that, and then... You come into next season, and Christian Wood plays center, and he actually works really well, and he fits well next to Blake Griffin or Sekou Dumboy or whatever. And then, and then Larry Markkinen kills it wherever he goes. And it's like, oh, look at that. We could have totally gotten Larry Markkinen, and it would have been a perfect combination to have him and Christian Wood up front. And we didn't do it because our coaching staff is too ass-backwards to play Christian Wood at center to find out if he can play there or not. Like, it's just baffling. So this situation, this is exactly why when you've already decided this season is over, we're tanking, you have to figure this stuff out. You can't just not. There was no reason to continue to play him at power forward. There was no one taking minutes at center. You played Thonmaker at center instead of at least trying Christian Wood. Because we got some small sample size of Christian Wood at center earlier in the season off the bench. Occasionally it looked good, occasionally it looked very bad. So now you have to make this decision based on almost nothing. And it's criminal. And this is exactly the reason why. So now they have to decide whether or not they should or shouldn't pursue Larry Markkinen. And they have to make that decision based on basically no evidence because they're stupid. It is self-inflicted wounds. And it's these sorts of self-inflicted wounds that make me think this team is screwed going forward. Smart teams do not do this. Smart teams find out everything that they have on their team so that in the offseason, when some unexpected player becomes available, you know for sure where all of your pieces fit as well as you can so that you can decide if this other guy is worth making a serious investment in. And they don't. They don't know. If you trade significant stuff for Laurie Markkinen, Christian Wood has to be a good center. He has to. He cannot be a below-average defensive center if you trade for Larry Markkinen. He just can't. And we have no idea if he is or not. Because they decide, well, we're just going to play him at power forward, where we, oh, by the way, also still have Blake Griffin and Sekou Dumboya projects long-term as a power forward. So it's just, that was something that I complained about all through the last, what, month and a half or so of the season. And this is why I complained about it. Because now you potentially could have the opportunity to add a really good, nice young player who hypothetically could be a really good fit with Christian Wood. Offensively, that could be killer. Two guys who can shoot. They can, well, well, we'll see if Christian Wood's shooting continues into next year. But two guys who can shoot a bit. Two guys who are able to put the ball on the floor. And in a hypothetical universe, they could maybe even be decent defensively because they're both long. They're both good athletes. They maybe don't move the best, but... There's a hypothetical universe where this is a really good combination. And they, they don't know if they can afford to pull the trigger or not. Because they've got, like, what, 50 minutes against bench guys of Christian Wood playing center? And it was a bit of a mixed bag. And that was also towards the beginning of the season, so he wasn't all the way comfortable. So you have to make guesswork now. 
and it's inexcusable. Smart teams don't do this, and that's the sort of thing that makes me pretty convinced that the Pistons may well be totally screwed because they have a front office and a coaching staff that does not understand how to make the right decisions when you are rebuilding a team. There, end rant. Go ahead, Koo. Say whatever you want to in response to that. Well, I think we've. I think I have a pretty uh, good understanding already that Christian Wood's not going to be able to play very good defense at center. But I, I think that. Uh, but that's also why I'm a bit lower on Christian Wood than everybody else. So. Well, yeah. Okay. So from what I saw, I think he is better as a power forward. He certainly thrived as a power forward after Andre Drummond was traded. Clearly. But he did show some flashes that maybe if he had, in that end of season, he's given the responsibility, he's given the more reps and such, that maybe, you know, he obviously can get up, he can block some shots, he obviously has some issues. But now the thing is, we're both sitting here saying, I don't think Christian Wood will be able to be an effective defensive center. Not, oh, for the last, how many games, how many games did they play after they traded Andre? Like 13, I think? Yeah. Right? So, because guess what? We know for a fact, because he played a ton of minutes. Wasn't he playing like 34 minutes a night over those games or something like that? And even before they traded Andre, he was playing a bunch for like the five games before they traded him. Right? So you've got like, I don't know, we'll just call it for round numbers, a 15-game sample size that says Christian Wood can absolutely be a starting power forward. All right? How good exactly he is, there's a lot of things that can go into that. We can talk about all that at a different time. But... As far as the center goes, we're sitting here going, I think he's probably better as a power forward. We think he probably isn't going to be a good enough defender. But we don't know for sure because we barely saw him there. It's like if they just played him at center, then it'd be like, oh, look at that. He can't play center. There's no reason for us to go after Larry Markinen unless we want to just let Christian Wood walk. And they would know that. And you can make smart decisions. Now you cannot make a smart, informed decision. So, yeah, I don't know. You can say more. I, I mean, I don't have nothing else to add <laughs> on to that right there. I mean, you said a lot. I, did, I just, I don't know. what I, I feel like this team, I don't really know what to say about this team as, as far as process construction because I don't feel like they make a lot of sense at all. And I kind of pointed this out, like I believe like a year ago to you or like a year and a half ago to you. And this was before, this is even about the front court. We didn't have the front court like that, but this was just about the back court. When we drafted Kyrie Thomas, Bruce Brown, and we already had Langston Galloway, um, Luke Kennard, and like two other shooting guards, I was like, well, even even if Kyrie Thomas and Bruce Brown both turn out to be something, they're not even going to get a chance to show that they're going to be something because they're so far buried on this death chart. It's just not going to happen. And I kind of feel like it's the same thing right now. Like if you want, let's say the Pistons were interested in Laurie Markin, I just don't see how you could make that work because now you got Sekou, who everyone's saying is like Jesus coming. And he's, I think everyone has said that his best position probably is power forward. And then you got Christian Wood, who's probably a power forward. Now you don't have a center who could go anywhere. You got, and then I guess you don't want to consider Sonic. He's not really a part of the team's plans at all. But it's the same idea, in my opinion, that you just got like a bunch of players who can't play a specific position, but they're all clogged up at one position. And now your team is just like, you don't, you're, I just don't feel like this browsing construction makes much sense at all. Like, even with Bruce Brown, like, it even goes as far as, like, even the tiny tiny thing with Bruce Brown when Dwayne Casey said he, like, all throughout the first year and a half of his career that he's a point guard, and now, or he's going to become a point guard, and, like, the last two weeks of the season, all of a sudden, that entire message changed. Yeah, that was so baffling. He, 
so, so now so now he's not going to be a point guard. So now what? You got him playing shooting guards. So now <laughs> how, how's that going to work with Luke and and Bruce? And then so it, it's just like I, it doesn't make sense. It, I don't really get this roster construction. I don't see how they can really make this roster work. But I, I guess they don't really are trying to make this roster work. work. So maybe they, they don't really care about it. But it is. I don't really get it. It is what it is. So you want to know something? Just as a aside here, okay. That I actually find as a really interesting option. What if, because, so, we know for a fact that the Bulls want to win, right? Like, they don't want to suck anymore. They've made that very clear. What if the Pistons traded the Bulls' Blake Griffin, took back Otto Porter, Thaddeus Young, and Lowry Markkinen? Because the Bulls don't want Otto Porter and Thaddeus Young's contracts. What do you think of that? Well, you said Laurie Markkinen and Thad Young. Otto Porter, Thad Young, and Laurie Markkinen. For Blake Griffin and who? No one. I don't think you'd. Ha- I think the salaries would just match up like then, that. Then yeah, I, of course I'd take that. You're getting off of Blake Griffin's contract, you're getting a young player in return. And you are getting a couple of not good contracts back. Otto Porter has the same... Yeah, but both of those players are good players, I would say. They're just overpaid. Uh, Otto Porter was pretty bad last year. He was, wasn't was he injured last year? He was hurt, but even when he played, he was bad. And, I, I was still and, Otto Porter. I mean, I like Otto Porter, but he was bad, bad. I'll, I'll, either way, I'll so take was those Thaddeus Young actually too, which was bizarre, because Thaddeus Young had some spectacular seasons at Indiana, and then he was just not good last year, which was not. I was. I'm not sure what happened to that. Maybe I mean, he's like 32 now, so maybe that's just what it is. He might not be 32. But I think he almost is. But anyways, I mean, it's just I could see something like that happening, just for what it's worth. But yeah, so. So your official stance on marketing though is you're not that interested in him. I mean, I I mean, like I said, I am, but I'm not giving another first round pick. Okay. If the Pistons, let's just say, Christian Wood does walk this summer, not under the Pistons deciding to, but they just he leaves, would that make you more interested in him, or does that not have an impact on you? It doesn't have an impact on them because I'd have the same level of interest both ways because we're not trying to win. So as far like I guess as far as right now, I guess they can just go ahead and try just get a bunch of players, just hope one pops, and then after that, do whatever. I would actually say that if Christian Wood walks, that would actually make me even less interested in marketing because if you keep Christian Wood, all right, so they reassign him this summer, so he's I mean, we've talked about this before, but he's like twenty five. So then you've got, you know, so once again, we've talked about all this, but so then you've got Wood, Bruce, Svee as sort of entering potentially the front bits of their prime. And you could potentially build a sort of young team, but a team that can still win a bit. And Larry Markin is, is in that same age group. So if you keep Christian Wood, then I'd actually be more interested in Markkinen and or guys like Larry Markkinen. Because they're on that similar timeline. Whereas if you lose Wood this summer, then, I mean, we love Luke Kennard and we love Bruce Brown. But then if Wood leaves this summer, I'll be much, I'm much less interested in trying to get guys that are like 23, 24 years old. 
and a lot more interested in just getting draft picks and guys that are 19-20. You know what I mean? Um, so mm-hmm. I would actually be less interested in him if Christian Wood walked. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, I already... Uh, I don't know. I don't really care. I already know. That I, I feel like I can say with 100% fact that Christian Wood's just not going to be good at center. Like, I, I, can, I feel like that's... I, I feel pretty confident in saying that. So either way, I don't really care. Yeah. And another thing, I think people have definitely overrated Lowry Markkinen. Um, I think he's got a big case of I play in one of the NBA's biggest markets and was one of the few bright spots in some brutal seasons for them. So people think that he's better than he is. Like, he is an absolutely atrocious defender. He is not a good rebounder, even though he's 7 feet tall. Like, really not a very good rebounder. And the guy's 7 feet tall, and he's averaged .6 blocks per game in his career. Like, that's not ideal. And he is a good shooter, he can score, but he doesn't do, like, his off-the-bounce game could use a lot of work. I mean, basically, there's a lot that he doesn't do. He is a good player, he's a nice player, he's a player that I would like to have, but I'm not sure that he's as good as some people think he is. Like, the response of some people seems to be, this is a can't-miss guy, oh man, you need to go and at least investigate this guy. Um, I would like to investigate him, but... He's not as good as some people made him out to be. So, yeah. And then, so that, I, any other thoughts on Larry Markkinen? Nope. Okay, so then you had a topic that you wanted to follow this up with, um, given that there's not really anything specific to talk about. So, go ahead, pose the question, and I will answer, and then you can answer. Um, so, the question I had was... Um, if there was, like, one ideal player or just, like, one realistic player that you'd just love to see in a Pistons jersey, like, it doesn't even – like, even if you want to go the route of that it doesn't even result in winning, that you just said, screw winning, we're not going to win anyways, but i just love to see this guy in a jersey. Oh, God. I apologize for that. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, even if it doesn't result in winning, like, you just want to see him in a Pistons jersey, who would it be? Okay. And obviously, don't go LeBron James or Steph right. Curry or something like that. Okay, so I'm going to give a couple of different answers. So because you said not worrying about winnings, like, there are some pipe dream kind of things that, like, this is just a player I really like. But then there's also guys that are, like, probably not going to be able to trade for, so still kind of pipe dreams, but guys that I actually think would fit really well. And I'm going to do that one first, and then we'll come back around to, like, ones that are just because we like the players, okay? Okay. So, and at least... Semi-possible pipe dream trade. Miles Turner. That'd be my guy. He's 24. He's the same age as Christian Wood. He plays center. He's a really good defender. He spaces the floor. I think him and Christian Wood could be a killer front court together. And, I mean, I think Sekou does project long-term as a power forward, but... At that point, you play him at small forward. He played some of that this year. I think he should be fairly malleable at either one. Um, and I think that the, I think that the potential future of Turner, Wood, Sekou, long, athletic, can shoot. I think that'll be a really fun front three. And you know, and here's the reason why it's at least semi possible is that there's been a lot of talk about how. Um, Damanis Sabonis has played better than Miles Turner and they might just decide to keep Sabonis over Turner so if that did come to pass I, 
my main preference would be to just go all in on a rebuild at this point. We've both been pretty clear about that, I think. But if you aren't going to do that, I think Miles Turner would be a great fit with Christian Wood. So that's my, like, at least somewhat hypothetically possible pipe dream guy that I think could actually make the team a lot better. Is that it? Hmm? Yeah, yeah. You can give yours and then I'll do... I'll, I've got to think more of who would be like my just, I just want it. I just like them. <laughs> All right, well, mine, uh, I've said this before, and we've, we've, I think we might may have talked about this on the podcast before, but mine is Aaron Gordon. And you already know that I'm a big Aaron Gordon fan. But uh, I, I would love to see him in a, in a Pistons uniform. It probably, it, probably, it, makes a, it probably makes very little sense. Yeah, because Aaron Gordon is also best as a power forward. Yes, exactly. So it probably makes very little, very little sense. But like, I would love, to, I would love to see him in the Pistons uniform. I think he's. I, I was. I actually told you a couple. I don't know if it was last year or two years ago that I, I would. Uh, my nickname for him was Broke Man's Blake Griffin. Because when I watch him, I see him, he has the leaping ability. Obviously, he's light skinned so that that helps. But uh, <laughs> he has the leaping ability. He's won a dunk contest. He's trying to extend his game to be on the arc. He shows off some ball handle that you don't usually see with people that athletic at that uh, at that uh, size. So he's I, I always have called him Broke Man's Blake Griffin. I know he took a little bit of a step back this year, but uh, he's just a player I'd love to see on the uh, Pistons. I also know that the the there's been rumors like the past year now that the Magic may be trying to trade him now. I actually they said I believe there's a report that said they tried to trade him at the trade deadline really hard. So it is that, that's one player I'd love to see in a Pistons uniform. Well, he's actually a guy that is. I'm now. He's not. Um, he's not. He's still under contract for a few more years, so it won't. If he was in a contract year, though, he probably would be really upset that the season ended the way it did because he actually had started to pick up his play a bit over the last like I don't know a month or so of the season. Here, I'm gonna try and bring up some split. So the see the last game that the Magic played was on March 10. So if we just go back a month to February 10, so that was 11 games. So on the season, his numbers were ugly. But over that last month, 17 points per game, 7 rebounds, 1.2 steals, 1.3 blocks, shot 34% from 3, 48% overall. Those are pretty good numbers and actually fairly close to being in line with what he put up the previous two seasons. Um, but on the season, he really was struggling for a lot of the season. I mean, on the season, he's at like, he was at like 30% from deep. Um, so I think he'd started to trend up. So I wouldn't actually be too worried about the way this season went just because of the fact that he was trending up in a pretty big way. Um, I don't know. I don't think he was necessarily dealing with any big injury issues. So I don't, I, I haven't heard anything about that why he was like if there was a good reason for him to be in such a big slump earlier in the season but he definitely was trending up so and that trend up is fairly close to being in line so like last season on the whole season he was at 16 points 7.4 rebounds per game and he shot 35 percent from three and 45 percent overall so that past month is more in line with the larger sample size uh, my main worry with him is that he's never been a terribly efficient scorer. Um, his best season was, efficiency-wise, was actually actually his second season, where his true shooting percentage was 54%, which for a guy of his size and athleticism, you'd really like to see that higher. But 
I mean, yeah, from a practical perspective, obviously it doesn't make a lot of sense because he'd be yet another guy who's probably best as a power forward. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't know. I certainly have not liked him as much as you do. But the main thing I like about him is that he is a really monstrous defender when he puts his mind to it, which I'm a big fan of, for sure. I've still got yep. to think about who'd be a, who'd be a guy that I'd like to add just because I want to add him, and not just because have, they're awesome. I have you can go ahead. One yeah, go ahead. You want to go? Go ahead. All right, my next one, Kelly Oubre. That's that's actually I was looking at him right now. I was looking at what his salary is. Yeah, Kelly Oubre. I want. I, I actually. I think Joe could back me. I don't know if Joe remembers, but when the Wizards were talking about trading him, I was in the chat saying. Yeah, I you were. Him. I was on Twitter and everything saying that I wanted Kelly Oubre, and a lot of people told me I was stupid. But he's actually developed quite nicely. I'm doing a video on him too. He right has. Now, he has. But I'm he's developed quite nicely. I'm a little bit. I'm at least slightly skeptical of how real some of his development is because a lot of his numbers jumped up a bunch after he got to Phoenix. And Phoenix obviously sucks and has, like, very, other than Devin Booker, has very little other offensive options. So it's always good to be a little bit skeptical of that kind of a thing. Guys who average, like, 18 points a game on really bad teams. Um, But the numbers are pretty good. And so this past season, almost 19 points per game. Shot 35% from deep, true shooting percentage of 56%, and once again, really a pretty monstrous defender. Uh, just all arms, super long, and he typically plays hard on defense. Like, he really enjoy, he he's a guy who he's kind of got that streak in him where he really enjoys playing defense, it seems like. So, yeah, he's a guy that I like. I'm not sure if he's quite as good as... His numbers might suggest because by his numbers you'd look at it and think this guy's like the perfect wing player, right? You know he does everything and he defends. I'm not sure he's quite that on a good team at least, but I like him definitely. I think he'd be a lot of fun to have on the team. He's just such a monstrous defender. He likes to dunk on people, that kind of stuff. That's all fun. So yep, he's the player I'd like. Okay, I'd like to see on here. Well, that's who I was thinking I was going to say. So now I've got to think of somebody else. Hmm. Hmm. Who would Joe like to add to the... You know, who? someone I would like and also would make... This would also not be um, totally out of the realm of possibility, hypothetically. I, not likely, but I wouldn't be shocked if he was at least up for being traded this summer. Uh, Josh Richardson. I really like Josh Richardson. He had a bit of a down year this year, but we all know that fe- that Philadelphia is basically a black pit that's awful to play at and everyone other than Joel Embiid plays worse when they play with Joel Embiid. And I just really like Josh Richardson's game. He he can shoot. I He's another guy. I mean, it's a little bit like Kelly Oubre. He just kind of does everything. And he really wants to be a good defender, it seems like. He plays really good defense and just kind of the all-around player that you really like to have on your team, for sure. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> All right, well. You got anybody else? <laughs> Um. No, I can't think of any right now. I mean, I could probably think of it if we get if we had more time, but I can't really think of any. Okay. Well, we're at like uh, we're at like a half hour, so a little bit short, but that's okay for this. Um. And yeah. So the plan going forward with the podcast, and so now that we're pretty confident that the season is just going to be done, um, at least for the Pistons, the plan will be. I don't know how regular it will be, but we're both on. Lockdown and not doing anything else really. So 
Uh, we shouldn't have too much trouble getting out of pod at least every few days. But we're just going to basically go through the roster and um, review the season, talk about potentially the future, uh, just basically player by player. And if any sort of news comes up, we'll talk about that. But I'm assuming there's not going to be. So that's the plan going forward. So, Koo, any last thoughts on anything? Actually, I just thought about a topic that we can talk. I, I wanted to bring up real quick. Oh, go for it. Go for it. Um, I need to get your opinion on this. I've had uh, Vince. Oh, by the way, I've had Vince on my show. And Vince Ellis. On my show on my formerly YouTube. of the Free Press. Huh? Vincent Ellis. I just making sure people know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Vince, Vince, with the, who was formerly with the Free Press, who's now with Platinum Equity, and now uh, also James of, of the Athletic. James Edwards. Uh, yeah, James Edwards. Um, I had them both on my show on my YouTube channel. Check that out. But also, this is like a topic that we talked about that has been picking up steam in the on Twitter, and um, I've been. I guess I I would say I'm in the minority. I guess, but I feel like I'm the only. I feel like I'm in the minority because I'm the only one who thinks with a brain. So I'll say that. But um, well, just give me your overall thoughts on Christian Wood and this whole situation heading this summer. Just like, just give me your overall thoughts so I know where you're at. Like, what do you mean by my overall thoughts? Okay, so like that's much, potentially a pretty big topic. How much do I want to pay him? Yes. <sighs> I would be hesitant to give him much more than ten. Okay, same as me. And wh- why do you say that? Because, so there's two main things. First off, he did make pretty good progress, but I still don't know that I believe in his defense at either power forward or center. Um, second off, it seems like he's probably best as a power forward, and the Pistons do still have Blake Griffin on the roster for another two years, and Sekou Dumboya projects out long-term as a power forward, at least best there. So... As such, it's not like the Pistons have a gaping hole at power forward that they desperately need to fill. So, once again, if they had played him at center and he had played well there, I'll be a lot more inclined to pay him more money because center is very clearly a gaping hole that the Pistons will need to fill. And also, just in general, if you can be a solid defensive center, you just have a lot more value. Um, But, secondly, so he shot 38%. From three this year. Okay? Which is great. And not to say guys do not improve their three-point shot in their career. It is entirely possible Christian Wood has worked his tail off. And he has simply become a good three-point shooter. And that's what he's going to be. However, this season, Christian Wood shot 38% on 140 attempts. In the G League... Christian Wood took 398 attempts from three. And the three-point line is the same distance. He shot 28%. On over double the amount of attempts in like 123 games. And so, while that doesn't mean that Christian Wood is for sure going to shoot poorly going forward. Like, and anybody who wants to question this, you can go back to, remember when the Pistons signed Glenn Robinson the third. And I said this, and I could you could go back and find when I wrote about him. I said he shot less than two hundred three point attempts. So he shot like he was he had been shooting like thirty eight percent from three before getting to Detroit. Yeah. 
And I uh-huh. pointed out that is about the same number of three-point attempts that John Luer had shot like 38% from three before arriving in Detroit. So I said, that should be viewed with at least some skepticism. And both those guys had shot about 200. Christian Wood has shot about, what was it, 140 this season? So he shot, yeah, so he shot 140 this season. So this is not saying, oh, I for, he's for sure going to be a bad shooter going forward. But there should be some skepticism about him being 38%. I could see him being at least respectable, staying around that 33-34% range maybe, but it is not very often that someone spends, you know, four years as a 28% three-point shooter and then becomes a 38% three-point shooter. Thirdly, and this is an important thing to remember, the Pistons freaking sucked for all of the time that he put up those huge numbers, right? Like, absolutely dreadful. They have no other offensive options. You should always be at least a little bit skeptical of a guy who puts up those kinds of numbers when there are literally no other options. And look, the on-off numbers, now, personally, his numbers were usually negative when he was on the floor. In fact, I think he put up negatives in all but, like, one game after they traded Andre. But the on-off splits, they were definitely better with him on the floor than they were when he was off it. But just just in general, you should be a little bit skeptical of guys who put up big numbers in games that just do not matter. Especially when the team is as terrible. I mean, legitimately, like, and people need to realize this, after the Andre Drummond trade, the Pistons were not just bad. They were not just mediocre. By pretty much every measure, they had the profile of a team that is the worst team in the league. Okay? So they're not just bad. They're not just mediocre. They are a team that if they had been that team the entire season, they probably would have won like 15 games bad. So you should have a little bit of skepticism. But on the other hand, he was pretty freaking good over those 11 games. So, you know, the guy had a really good season. So I'd feel basically, I guess, I would feel awfully bad if they let him go because they don't want to pay him $15 million and he got $15 million somewhere and he actually killed it somewhere. So it's a bad, it's a tough situation. But I would be hesitant to pay him much more than 10 per year. That doesn't mean that I absolutely wouldn't. There'd probably be more that I'd be willing to pay. But I'll be hesitant to go much beyond 10 just because we don't know for sure what he would look like on a team that's not abjectly awful playing starting minutes. Right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Is that it? I mean, I don't know. Was there something else? I, I kind of oh, yeah, tried I to give up. A... I want to make sure you're done talking. Okay, go say whatever you want to say. All right, so next, is he considered part of the future? I and mean, he kind of has to be at this point because they talked so much about how he's part of the future. Right, you kind of they kind of have no choice. He has to be. They've they've spent so much time hyping him up after they traded Andre Drummond that they're and this is kind of the issue. They can't let him walk. Realistically, like as a as a brand as a franchise, you can't let Christian Wood walk away, and that's one of the issues. So, yeah, I guess he is, and I'm still worried a bit about various things. I'm worried a bit about his fit. Um, 
I have no idea what they're going to do with Blake Griffin healthy next year. You know, are they just going to play Christian Wood at center and just hope that he doesn't, that's not a trash fire? There's evidence to suggest that when he doesn't have the ball in his hands all the time, he's way, way worse. Which, by the way, playing with Blake Griffin and basically the thought of him potentially being on the floor next year with Blake Griffin, Derrick Rose, and Luke Kennard, that scares me. That scares me a lot. I have no idea how he would fit with that. Actually, I do have some idea. I think he would fit poorly. (laughs) But here's the thing, though, that is that kind of, like, you can't get out of the back of my mind, and you have to at least consider. So here, I'm going to bring up the numbers, just because I I want to make sure that these numbers are right. Okay, so give me, bear with me a moment here. So after the Andre Drummond trade, so the last game that he played was when they beat Phoenix. So they played 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 games. They went 1 and 12 after the Andre Drummond trade. Which, by the way, maybe it wasn't Andre Drummond's fault, but we're not going to get into that now. So if we go to the on-offs, and then last 13 games. So obviously the Pistons were still net negative when Christian Wood was on the floor. Obviously. Uh, because the Pistons sucked. But when Christian Wood was on the floor, the Pistons had, over that stretch, the Pistons had an offensive rating of 111.2 points per 100 possessions. When he was off the floor, it was 87.5. And obviously he put up monstrous numbers over that time. I will bring those up as well. Just individual counting stats. So just a second. Here. So over that time, his basic counting stats... 23 points per game, 9 rebounds, 2 assists, shot 56% from the field overall, 40% from 3. That is a true shooting percentage of... True shooting percentage of 65% while taking a huge amount of the offense taking a huge amount of the shots. And he's taking almost, if you include his free throws, so 15 field goal attempts per game, 6 free throws a game. So that's like, yes, that's like 16 16 possessions per game you're using with a shot. That's borderline like, this guy could maybe be the number one option in a good offense. I'm not saying he necessarily would be, but those are the kind of numbers that suggest that he maybe could be. And... You know, we love to talk about, particularly guys like me who are kind of basketball nerds, we love to look at guys and go, oh, they do all this stuff good. You know, people overlook them. I, this was the main argument for why I liked Andre Drummond so much and why, you know, people underrated him. The one thing he couldn't do was be the number one guy in a good offense, right? Everything else he could do. He just needed someone else to be that guy and then he could thrive. And that guy continually got hurt for the Pistons, okay? But guess what? If you're capable of being that, that changes things. Like, that's like, there's like a threshold there, you know? Where if you cross that threshold from, oh, he's a good offensive player who makes your offense better, to this guy can be a number one option on a real offense, those guys are hard to come by. So, yeah, it's a it's a tough question. Because, yeah, I'm my main rational mind looks at all of this. And says, his shooting's probably going to regress. 
I don't know how he fits with other guys who have the ball in his hands. I don't think that he's going to be a plus defender. I think he can maybe be around what he was this, at least towards the end of the season, which is not a disaster, but just, you know, just okay defensively. And also it worries me that he plays the same position as Seku does. But the thing in the back of my head is just the, the way he played. If it ends up being that he is good enough to be a number one or one B option on a good offense and the Pistons let him walk because they didn't want to pay him $15 million, oh baby, that would be tough to swallow. So, yeah, it's just one of those things. You look at the numbers, you look at everything, and if I have not watched those games, okay, so or at least all of them, so if this was a different team, all right, so let's just say that we were both, like, I don't know, Denver Nuggets fans or something like that, okay? And this was hashtag Nuggets. We were looking at this. I would be like, yeah, no, I wouldn't I wouldn't really want to pay him more because, you know, yeah, he scored some points. Like, I would be full skeptic and be like, yeah, he's a nice player. I wouldn't want to pay him more than $10 million. I'm not sure that he's even necessarily a long-term starter. That's what I would say. But you watch those games, it was pretty impressive. So, yeah, that's kind of my take, which I guess it's kind of a cop-out because I'm not giving a clear answer. But, yeah, it's... I do not, and once again, would be another good reason to know if he can possibly play center or not. Because if he proved he could play center, I would have a lot more interest in paying him. So, yeah, does that answer what you wanted to know? What did other people? What did What did Vince and James say about it? Um, Vince was Vince agreed. He said agreed somewhat about the paying. He had him around the ten to twelve million area. Um, but. I don't think I really asked him about I, – I didn't ask him about the future, if he thought he was part of the future plans. But me personally, I, I don't – once again, people hate me for this, and that I don't really care. It is what it is. They can live in the moment. They can, they can do all this BS. Excuse they me. can do all that BS, and I know that the, the, the standard has been lowered. For, uh, let me not get into that, but either way. Uh, <laughs> either way. You guys, this is what I'll say. I brought, I did bring this part up on the on my show with Vince. Everyone wanted to tank. Everybody in Pistons Twitter, all the fans wanted to tank. Last I remembered, I didn't remember them saying they wanted a single season tank. I believe the words that came out their mouth was that they were tired of constantly playing for the eighth seed and getting lottery picks in the eight to ten range. That takes multiple years of doing. You, I don't think that once again you don't do that. They didn't want this for one season. So, this we're going to be like this for the next like how long? If this if we get what if we if the Pistons do what they wanted for the next three to four years, the, how that why pay Christian Wood to be here for the next four years? Well, this is something years? this is something that we've talked we talked about several times before. Is there's a little bit of a timeline issue with the Pistons because so if Christian Wood is part of the future, you have to pay him this summer. And then next summer, you will have to hypothetically pay Bruce, uh, Svi, and Luke. So there is a bit of a timeline issue there with if they go all in on a rebuild that's going to take three or four more years, all those guys are going to be off the off their contracts by that time, right? Um, yep. I would actually say, once again, this may seem a little counterintuitive, but 
if the Pistons are going all in on a multi-year rebuild, that would actually make me more interested in just making sure that we keep him. Because, first off, there's less risk involved. Because so let's just say, okay, let's just say that his market is high. And by the way, one thing in all of this, given how everything's gone, we have no idea what the salary cap is going to mean next year, realistically. So yeah. these numbers just, these numbers are with what the salary cap was, and then just hypothetically scale it down to whatever the salary cap will end up being next year, right? So just so we're clear on that, we, we recognize that the cap may well be just lower and that could impact things, but... Let's just say, you know, someone like the Knicks or something like that really wants him. And the Pistons end up having to pay him $17 million a year for the next three or four years, okay? We'll just say in the next, yeah, four years, okay? That'd be a lot. I would be, once again, there's a bit in the back of my mind that's like, what if this guy is capable of being the number one option? They'll be not, they'll be like, I'm at least willing to see, but I would not be thrilled if they paid him that. But the reality is, if they're going all in on a tank, and he's not that good, guess what? They suck still anyways, and it doesn't matter. Whereas, if they're going all the way in on the tank, and they pay him that $17 million, and then he ends up actually being, no, this guy can be the number one option in an offense, then he's paid, I, he probably could actually, that probably actually would be a bargain. And either he makes your team better sooner, and you don't have to tank for as many years, which I would like, or, if the team is still booty, he's on a good contract and you can trade him. And no, if he, hold on. And if he's hold not on. worth it, then, I mean, whatever. He, he'll he be entertaining. He'll have some big dunks every now and then. He'll make the tank a little bit less awful to watch. Stay, stay right there. Okay. Stay right there. See, that part right there is exactly why I do not want to pay him. This I do not want to pay him that much. I'll tell you why. This is exactly what you just said. If, if the Pistons can pay him around $10 million, then okay, pay him. But if they have to overpay to keep him this summer and they actually do it, then if he – okay, so this is why I brought up to Vince. And let me just finish this thought and I'll let, and then you can go in. It, it, like you pointed out earlier, he has a career – we have a lot of evidence to show that he was not a very good shooter before this. This year he popped on the scene. He shot really well this year. There's a very good chance that he could go have some regression to the mean. Does that mean he didn't go back to where he was before this year? Not necessarily, but it's very likely that he at least takes out, he at least has some regression in his shooting. Okay, so then if you take that and you add it on to the fact that Dwayne Casey literally took every chance possible to tell us in this post game that he take he has defensive mistakes. Like literally every single time someone raised to ask the question, Dwayne Casey made it a fact, made it a point. Yeah. To point out the fact that he made multiple defensive mistakes. Like I remember one game, I believe it was one of the last games of the year where he had like one of the career highs. Someone asked him about the career highs, how good he, offensively he's playing, and he's been getting better on defense. Dwayne Casey didn't even say nothing about his offense, about his thirty-point game. Dwayne Casey literally responded with, "No, he's just playing better on off. He's he's just playing so much better on offense that you don't you don't really notice what he's doing on defense." That that was his that that was his response. Well, okay, okay. So, oh, you finish. You finish. You finish. Okay, so. So if you take into account the fact that he's he has defensive miscues and he's not very good on defense, and, and you take into account that it's very likely that his shot regresses, if you overpay for him moving forward, he's not his. Then it becomes harder to trade him. So now he's not even a trade asset now because now he's overpaid and he's taking regression. So now it's going to be hard for you to even get the right value that you would have got for say this past season when I wanted to trade him at the deadline, or if you pay him for this ten million where he's more tradable, you can still get value for him. 
if you overpay for him, then he takes this regression to the mean, and he still doesn't improve on defense. Now you just have him on the on the team for seventeen million dollars on a rebuilding team, and it's gonna be harder to trade him. Well, once again, so two things. So first off, the basic point is my point is if you go all the way in on a total rebuild that's gonna be three or four years, then it doesn't really matter that you overpaid him because you're gonna suck anyways, right? So if they did, which we've heard they might try and do, okay, if they try and actually get some players this offseason and they want to try and actually win over Blake's last two years, then I would be much more hesitant to throw real money at him because then if you overpay him and he's not worth it, now you have ruined your chances to build around Blake for those last two years, and now you are treading on that, you know, around eight seed or whatever unless if Blake is relatively healthy. So, but that's why just, if they tank all the way and you pay him, you know, $16 million a year and he actually is worth, like, $10 million, then yeah, I guess you can't trade him, but he also, he isn't making the team that much better, so you still suck, and he'll dunk and it'll be fun, and it's kind of like why I wasn't, a, I'm not actually that worried about Blake Griffin being on the team if they do a total rebuild, because it's like, yeah, he's a terrible contract, but who cares? I mean, <laughs> you know, the only thing with Blake is that he's such a veteran and star that I'd be a little worried about him potentially becoming toxic in the locker room. Like, if he's healthy, if he just keeps getting hurt, then it's not going to matter that much, I guess. But, like, if he's healthy and playing well and the team is this bad, then I'd be a little worried about him becoming cancer. But, you know, at a basic level, it's like, I mean, look, it doesn't really matter that much if you're over if you're an overpaid. I mean, it's like, think about Tony Snell, okay? If Tony Snell had... Two more years left on his contract instead of just one. Would that bother you that much if they're going in on a total rebuild? No, because it doesn't really matter if a guy's, if one of your veterans is a little overpaid when you're going to suck anyways. So, um, yeah. But here's another thing. This is a question I posed to you. We know that there is a reason why Christian Wood, who is incredibly talented and has always been incredibly talented, has struggled to stick anywhere. He's had a lot of issues with... I don't know, what's the best way to say it? Um, There's been questions about his effort. There's been questions about his desire. There's also just been some basic questions of how straight he's got his head on, right? And this has been said by a lot of people. By most accounts, it looks like he has fixed a lot of those things this year. Is there any worry that if he gets paid... He's going to revert. What if he's basic? What if he become? What if he's Hassan Whiteside? He his, his career gets pushed to the edge. He has a stretch where he really puts his mind to it, plays his ass off, plays really well, gets paid, and then basically goes right back to all of the things that caused him to not get paid before. Is that at all a worry to you? Yes. Yeah, I'm not sure that it's a huge worry to me, but it's definitely there. It's just another thing that makes me a little bit like, eh, I would be a little concerned about committing large money to him. But once again, I think if they go all the way in on a multi-year rebuild, then I'm less worried about it. Because then if it's a bad contract, it's a bad contract and you live with it. You know, I it, it wouldn't be good still because hypothetically, if you go all the way on a rebuild, you want cap space so that you can get people to give you draft picks to take on their bad contracts, right? Which, so if you overpay Christian Wood, you are less capable of doing that. But at a basic level, it's not the worst thing in the world. And once again, even if he's overpaid, 
I mean, Christian Wood will still be a good athlete. He'll still have some awesome dunks. He'll still have nights that he scores like 30 points. So he'll make the tank a little more bearable to watch night in, night out, which wouldn't bother me a whole lot either, even if he's overpaid. So it's just another thing where the direction that the team wants to go has a big impact on how I feel about it. Because if they do want to try and actually put a winning team around Blake in the last two years of his contract, which, by the way, for the record, I've said several times, I wrote a big piece about it on Detroit Bad Boys, I'm against trying to do that at this point because I think that at this point you just have to assume Blake is not going to be all the way healthy. It's not going to happen. He's not going to get through a season healthy, so it's just not worth doing. But if they're going, you know, no matter what direction they go, I hope they do it right. So if they want to try and compete with Blake, then they do need to be more careful about overpaying guys. And that includes Christian Wood, especially since we don't know if Christian Wood can play with Blake. Because first off, Christian Wood played almost all power forward last year. Obviously, Blake is a power forward. And guess what? People have said, oh, well, just play Blake at center. We've seen Blake at center lineups. They're a disaster. They have been. They always have been. So Blake ain't... And the other thing, Blake isn't getting more mobile or starting to jump higher anytime soon. So he's not going to get better as a center. So Blake as your starting center is not an option. So... Yeah, so if they decide that they want to try and win next year, I'll be a lot more hardball. I would say, you know, that 10, 11, maybe 12 range, and I would not pay him more than that. If they go all the way in on a multi-year rebuild, I'm more lax about it. Whatever the market is, I probably would just match it. Whatever it seems like it, he's going to get, I would just pay him that. And if he's not worth it, then whatever. You've got an overpaid guy in your roster while your team sucks and he makes the games a little more bearable. But I would pay him just because of that that bit in the back of your mind, that off chance that maybe this is for real and he is capable of being the number one option on a good offense because you'll feel really stupid if you don't keep that guy and you go all the way in on a rebuild. So, yeah, that that's that's overall my standing on it, I guess. That's fine. I just, I'm not pay, I'm not overpaying for him. That's that's what I like. I'm at the point where I'm just not doing it. So if another team wants to overpay for him, fine. I don't care what situation. I'm not doing it. It says I'm, I'll I'll let him walk. That's why I want. That's why I was a proponent for trading him this this past all, in in the trade deadline. Yeah, it's something we both talked about that. Which is there's a pretty good chance that his value would not have been higher than it was then. And also, ironically. <laughs> The season got canceled just a couple weeks later, anyways. <laughs> so didn't actually didn't end up actually mattering. That wouldn't have mattered that much. But um, the one thing is, and you, I think you told me this, right? That it seems pretty clear that Christian Wood wants to stay in Detroit. Like that is his yeah. preference, right? So that helps a little bit. But I do also think if you're a guy like Christian Wood, now I mean, at a basic level, obviously he still made a bunch of money in his career. But comparatively, as far as NBA basketball players go, Christian Wood has not made a huge boatload of money in his career. I think, let's see, it's right here. His career earnings are like, so after this season, he'll be around a little over $3 million, I think, which obviously is a ton of money. But as far as NBA players go, that is not a ton of money. And he's had to scrap, so... I would guess if someone is willing to pay him big money, he's not going to care about whether or not it's in Detroit. You know, like, 
he finally has gotten to the point where he's going to get the bag. And he's going to get the bag. And he'd be stupid not to. This isn't a, anything against him. He should he, he should go wherever they pay him the most. I absolutely... If I was him in his situation, I would not really give a rip about anything else. I would go wherever they paid me the most. I would go down to the penny. Right? If the New York Knicks offered me a dollar more than the Pistons did, I would go to New York. I'm getting every dollar that I could in his situation. Because you never know when things are going to change. This is your potentially your one shot to get the big money. Go get it, man. But at a basic level, he's not looking to leave Detroit, which should give them an advantage, hopefully, to keep him. So, yeah. All right. That cover all the bases there that you wanted to cover? Yeah, I suppose. There's, you suppose? Okay, there, well, what else talking. is there then? I mean, we've got nothing else I mean, to do. as you keep talking, there's like some things that just keep popping up, but okay. we'll just be at it for days. I mean... Do you have anything else to do? <laughs> I mean, the, I was just going to say that because you brought up something about Blake and James brought up something that I thought was at least a little bit interesting. It made me, made me think about it for a second. I asked him if Blake was in this team's plans at all or in this team's plans moving forward, etc. And or And just basically about Blake's injury and all and, and everything. Pretty much just Blake in general. And he said something. He said that if you look at Blake's career, one thing that you can one thing that you can uh, give him tons of credit for, and if you want to have some kind of hope for Blake, this would support your hope for him, is that he's had a lot of injuries over his career. He's had a lot of injuries that have held him out for a minute, for a while. He's had some injuries that uh, some people uh, don't recover from or do recover from, but then aren't the same after. But each time, he, each time he gets an injury, he works hard and he always ends up getting back to where he was or even better. And then he also pointed out how insane his work ethic is and that if there was a player to do it, even and if you also consider his work, uh, not work ethic, but uh, his track record over with, these, with injuries, uh, it would be Blake to pull it off to come back how he was. So my thing is, I understand that we can't. You shouldn't be just operating under the understanding that Blake is going to be 100. percent We have to just try to win. But the thing is, my the thing I'm thinking about is, I don't believe that it's even. I don't believe it's going to be possible to trade him even until his uh, final season on his contract. And I think I, I honestly, I tweeted this like two months ago, but I'm in the minority who thinks that Blake actually will come back and be the player he was. And I, if he does do that, then even if you do like try. If you don't like, let's say the Pistons don't sign a lot of good players this offseason, they don't try like to compete, and they're basically going to rebuild. Then, if you have Blake next year, and he's back to the player he was, you're definitely not getting like a top five pick because he's carrying that team to at least like 30 wins. It's, it, he's just going to do that because he's that good. So then, I, and even if he does play that good, I still don't think that you'll be able to trade him without giving him an asset on that contract. Oh yeah, for sure. So now you're so now you're what's it called? You're still now you're right back in the eight to nine range again, yeah. which everyone's pissed off about being at. So I, I, if it was me, I'm still trying to just where he's here. It is what it is. If he doesn't play, we've already seen what it looks like when he doesn't play. We'll suck anyways. So we might as well, I, I would might as well just continue to try to max out his contract, or at least max out next year, since I think he becomes tradable his final year. I'd still try to max out next year, and then the year after that is when I'd start to rebuild if necessary. I mean, I've told you this. I can't remember if I said this while we were playing Call of Duty or if this was on the podcast, but... To me, 
the worst case scenario for all this would be if the Pistons totally tear it down, trade everybody for any assets they can, don't sign any real players this offseason or anything, and then Blake comes back next year and is awesome. To me, that is the worst case scenario. Right? So, at a certain level, I don't disagree with you. I think, to me, it just really is that... I mean, so even though the year they made the playoffs, Blake broke down at the end of the season. You know? It's kind of like... I think at this point, you just look at his career and you just have to assume he's not going to make it. You know, there's just... That's the assumption that you have to make. But I have said that, though, that the worst-case scenario would be Blake Griffin comes back next year and he's, like, in that sort of borderline MVP form and they've got no one else good on the team. So you win 30 games and you waste a season of MVP form from any player. That would be the worst-case scenario to me. Yeah, which is why why I, I was still... That's exactly why I would still build and try to win win as much next year because like I said if Blake breaks down if Blake actually if Blake just comes back and he's not the same I, I think you guys are going to suck anyways the Pistons are just going to like if he's not who he was before he's going to you guys are going to be bad either way so, but if he comes back and he's back to who he was and you suck and you have like suck players sucky players around him then hey yeah I mean wasted it. so just in general that's going to be a tough yeah that's a tough situation because it's not like... Because they also didn't trade Derek, So Derek Rose yeah. is still on this team. Well, so like the closest allegory most people would say would be like Kevin Love, right? As a really good player on a really bad team. But Kevin Love, at this point at least at his peak, is not as good as Blake Griffin was the last time we saw him at his peak. Right? No, Blake Griffin... Kevin Blake Love Griffin. is not dragging a team to 30 wins. Yeah. Blake Griffin is dragging a team to 30 wins, I think. So, it is going to be interesting. I because obviously you don't ever you don't have you don't want to hope that Blake Griffin gets hurt. Obviously, we'd all like to see him be healthy. Like there's a certain degree to which it's almost like if he comes back next year and is all the way healthy and plays really well, that might kind of screw everything up, you know? So, yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting to monitor. And it's going to be a tough situation, no matter what, because on one hand, we'd love to see Blake Griffin come back and be healthy, but on the other hand, if they if they don't sign anybody, it doesn't even matter. And also, if they sign people that are going to make them not awful, and then he gets hurt next year, and they end up winning, you know, then you end up with the sixth pick instead of the first pick, which isn't good either. So there's a lot of ways in which that throws a wrench in things, but. Yeah. So, one thing that I'll be very unhappy if that happens. If this happens, then I will be extremely pissed off. If Blake, because like I said, I don't believe that the Pistons will be able to trade Blake even if he does come back next year and he's back to the same guy. I don't think anybody's trading for him unless you give up. God, that means. Jeez, cool. God. What are you doing, man? I don't know. I got. I, I don't know how I got all this. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, basically what I was saying was. Um, I don't believe even if he does come back healthy next year and he's back to the same player that you'll be able to trade him without giving up assets. So if he does come back as the same player next year and he's dominating, but we didn't try to sign no good players or anything, so now he's now he's doing what you say. He's now he's now he's screwing everything up. He's carrying us to a, to like the seventh seed. We don't uh, not seventh seed. Okay, seventh if he pick. carried them to the seventh seed, that would not be screwing anything up. I would actually no, be yeah. thrilled with that. 
It would be screwing but, stuff up if the Pistons won 34 games. That would yeah, be screwing so, it up. So if he did something like that right there, he, he was on his way to doing something like that right there, and then the Pistons traded him but had to attach assets and they did do that, I'd be probably one of the most pissed off people in Detroit if the Pistons trade. If the Pistons attach any kind of assets, I'm, I'm in this boat. If the Pistons attach any kind of assets to Blake Griffin to move him, I'll be furious. I'm not in the business of giving up any more assets. I'm not. I'm not in the business of doing anything like that. Oh yeah, so I, absolutely. Be collecting assets, anything, giving up assets to get rid of Blake when you can just write his contract out and whatever it is, what it is. But look, if we give up assets to move him, I'll spaz. Look, even if it gets to the point where he really wants to leave, you know what you remind him? You go, hey Blake. Look at the clause next to the last year of your contract. You see there, that last, that 2021 season, where you're scheduled to make $38,957,028, okay? That is a player option. So if you want to get out of here that badly, be our guest. And if he doesn't, then tell him, then shut up. Either you're going to take this money and we're going to pay it to you happily. We're not going to complain about it. That's your contract. But if you want out that badly, you can be gone. And look, if he really wanted to be out that badly, he could be gone next year. He could say, coming up to the deadline, he could decline his player option before the deadline next year. And guess what? If he was playing really, really well, it might be hard. But someone might be like, you know what? Let's add Blake Griffin for the last two months of the season. You know? And so... If he starts to make a stink or anything like that, to where it's like, oh, we need to move him and we need to add... No, you don't. You tell him, if you want out that badly, you can leave. We're not stopping you, right? You have to choose either you're going to take this whole bag and you're going to deal with it because you signed the contract and whatnot. That's how basketball works. Or you're going to give up the bag and then then we'll send you... We'll, we'll work with you then. We'll send you somewhere, right? <laughs> But no, there's yep. no way you're attaching any real assets to get rid of him. Other, you know, especially if you're all the way in on a rebuild. And I will just say once again, this would be another great time to know whether or not Christian Wood could possibly play center, wouldn't it? Yep. Because <laughs> if Christian Wood had proven he could play center, then it's like, well, let's keep Christian Wood. And then if Blake Griffin actually comes back next year and is really healthy and good, you still got a killer front court. But now it's like. I have no idea. Who I have no idea who's going to play center next year if Blake Griffin's healthy. I mean, how much is Christian Wood going to be? If Blake Griffin was healthy and playing awesome, how much is Christian Wood going to play next year? And then what happens with Seiku? Yeah, well, then Seiku just plays small forward and you live with it. Yeah, but see that kind of thing, right? See, this is what I'm talking about with the whole roster construction because I'll say this, and I understand that he's not the same. I don't like to keep bringing him up, but a lot of people. Hal brings this up all the time. He thinks this has something to do with it. Stanley was placed out of position a lot of times in his early in his career, and a lot of people think that has something to do with some of his stunning development. No, I don't you want to you want to you want to know something? Position. You want to know what stunned Stanley Johnson's development? No, okay, he got on, fat okay. and he didn't listen to what coaches told him to do. You heard this all the time. Yes, you I heard know, this when he arrived in effect. Toronto. There, he was. Nick Nurse was like, "Yeah, he just doesn't play with the defensive intensity and focus that we need." He okay, never focused enough. He was okay, too... He was Seiku. the one who said he wanted to play shooting guard. Literally. Okay, I understand, but this is about Seku. I do not want to place any of our young players out of position just to make a roster work that that we don't, we're not even trying to win with. 
Like, I'm not doing that. Okay, here's I'm another not, thing. Here's another thing. That. Here's another thing on that, okay? First off, what is the year that that he played most shooting guard? No, Joe, I'm not, I'm not trying to get into Stanley Johnson no, what at is, all. No, what is the year? Joe, I'm simply saying that Sekou should not be placed out of position to make one year work. It was his Every rookie year. Shooter. Stanley Johnson's his, rookie year is the year that he played most shooting guard. What was his best year with the Pistons? Joe, I'm simply telling you his rookie that year. all the eggs will be in the Sekou basket to help him develop. Okay. And one last thing on this. Not helping him. Okay, at a fairly basic level, there is a big difference between having Sekou play the three versus the four and having, like, just at an objective point, particularly in the offense that Stan Van Gundy ran. So, like, Stan Van Gundy always said, okay, we have, realistically, we have, there's, you know, we don't go point guard, shooting guard, small fort. We have guards, wings, and bigs, okay? And the issue is Stanley Johnson was going from a wing to a guard, which have very different responsibilities in Stan Van Gundy's offense, and that was the main issue with that. The reality is, I think whether he plays the four or the three, Seku's going to be doing largely the same stuff. So, and even if he does project best as a power forward, I think, I think in the best world, he's playing some of both. So I'm not too worried about that. So I would like him to play mostly at power forward, but I'm not, I'm not worried about that. Especially because, once again, his skill set lines up okay. It's like the main issue with playing Stanley Johnson at shooting guard is that Stanley Johnson can't sh- could never shoot, right? Right from the start of his career, that was the biggest gaping hole in his game is that he couldn't shoot at all. And so then hypothetically, he's going, whereas his biggest strength is that he's huge and strong. So it's pretty clear like, well, we should probably try and have this guy closer to the basket on both ends of the floor more often. That's not really the case with Seku. He already, I, the thing that he did best was that he has a, had a clean shooting stroke this year, right? And he's also not nearly as big as Stanley Johnson. So I just think in general, I'm not as worried about it with that. Um, yeah. Are you sure you believe in Seiku shooting stroke? Yeah. Yeah. He shot 28%. Yeah, but he's, first off, it is a solid stroke mechanically, right? Right, Coop? I'm not sure. You're not sure? Well, in decent volume, so he shot nearly 100 three-point attempts in the G League. He shot like 36% from three. He shot like 33% in France. He's 19. And he did shoot really well when he first came up, and then things started to go sour. The Pistons traded away all of their good players, and suddenly he didn't get open threes anymore, and his percentage went in the tank. I think that's what happened. All right. I actually not think... I say, I'm not even going to say think. That is what happened. Because it was so clear to see, oh, we got rid of Andre Drummond, who set great screens for everybody. Oh, we got rid of all our point guards and or they got hurt. No one is creating open looks for him anymore. So he's trying to shoot off the dribble threes and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I think that's what happened. So, yeah, I believe in his shooting stroke long term. For sure. Uh, All right. Okay. Anything else that you were thinking while I, mean, I was that's talking? That's another issue with that's another issue I have with Christian Wood. But I'll, I'll get into that another day. He doesn't create a lot for others. That's one yeah, of the things. He's a pretty bad. Play, he's yeah. awful playmaker. Yeah, that's so one of the things. A high usage guy next year. Yeah. So once again, season. that's one of the things that I say that's like, I guess he's kind of straddling that that spot where 
if he is not able to be the guy in a good offense, I'm not actually convinced that he's going to have a ton of value long term. Right? It's like if his shot regresses to like 33%, so and he'll be able to shoot a little bit, but not someone who's going to scare defenses with his shot, then he's not spreading the floor to make other guys better. He's not a good passer to make other guys better. He's not a great screen setter to make guys better. He's not a good defender to make other guys better. His rolls to the rim will be good. They'll suck defenses in, so that'll be something. But he'll kind of fit into this spot of where he's a guy who needs the ball in his hands to really be valuable, but he's not good enough with the ball in his hands to carry an offense. So on a good team, he's not going to have the ball in his hands a ton, right? And that's what Which worries is why me. I just don't think he fits. Yeah. I just don't think he fits this. Uh, and that's what worries me. But on the other hand, there's a chance he might be that good. I don't think that's. I'm gonna keep it above with you. I don't think there's a chance that he's the guy. You really I don't? don't. What do you mean by the guy? Like the best player on a on a good team? Not necessarily just best player. I'm saying, could he be the number one offensive option, scoring option? On a good offensive team, no, you don't think so. No, it's like I guess here, here. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Could he be? Maybe this isn't a high enough standard. Yeah, I think it is. Could he be? Last year, his last year with the team, Pistons version, Tobias Harris. No, you don't think he could be that. I think we're disrespecting Tobias. His last year with the Pistons. I'm not disrespecting him. I'm saying that that version of Tobias Harris was that he was not necessarily the first offensive option because Reggie Jackson handled the ball a bunch and such, but he was the number one scoring option, right? He was leading the team in scoring. I'm, I I can bring up the numbers here a sec. That so year before he was, gets to the free throw line a lot more than Tobias did, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, Tobias Harris has never gotten to the free throw line a lot. That's why I figured. So that's the one thing you have for him. But the thing is, I'll continue to say Tobias had a long, Tobias has a longer history now of him being able to shoot the ball. Christian Wood, like I said, just does. Uh, Tobias Harris does not have that long a history. I, it also I mean, his previous history was not nearly as bad as Christian Wood's. I and mean, that's the thing with Christian Wood, right? Is that before, before. This season, he literally was a 28%. He was Josh Smith, three-point shooting before this, right? Whereas Tobias Harris was just kind of mediocre, and then that one year suddenly he shot 41%. But, like, the last two years in Philly, so last year in Philly he shot 32%, and this year he shot 36%. But that's a pretty recent thing. Yeah, but the games in Philly were only 27 games. Yeah, so I'm just saying that's a fairly recent trend with him being a good shooter. But... I mean, from 2000, okay, well, in, from like two, from 2015 to 2020, he's shooting 36%. So if Christian Wood can shoot 36%, then yeah. But I don't think he will. So you don't think, so you just don't think that he's going to be, that, that he's going to be able to sustain that. I mean, I think there's a, I, mean, I, I think chance. that there is a universe in which Christian Wood is like twice the player that Tobias Harris is. See, I just don't agree with that. Because, Tobias Harris never got to the free throw line. He never he could be in that sort of perfectly constructed Stan Van Gundy motion offense of that season. He could be the number one scoring option, but he still wasn't the top offensive option. Right? I think that Christian Wood could maybe be 
that kind of production, but not needing this sort of perfect harmony of a really good offensive coach building an offense around maximizing your value. I think a coach. Well, how good would this I think team an, be? I think an ass backwards coach like Dwayne Casey could have an offense where Christian Wood makes your offense good just because Christian Wood is such a good scorer. Yeah, but how good would that offense be with him? Who's he's not a very good playmaker at all. So how, if he's your if he's your number one guy in offense, how's that working? Okay, so let's just say hypothetic. Let's go hypothetically here, okay? With the Pistons, so let's just say so Christian Wood is your power forward. Blake Griffin died or something. I don't know. He caught coronavirus. Come on. Um, <laughs> probably shouldn't joke about that. That's pretty. That's pretty serious. We won't joke about that. I apologize. So Blake Griffin is hurt. Okay. Well within their own possibility. So he's he's not really in the picture. So Christian Wood is your power forward. You've got... You no, know, screw it. Let's just go with my hypothetical, okay? So let's say they trade him for, like, Miles Turner, okay? So that's your center. Christian Wood is your power forward. Seku is your small forward. And we'll say Seku progresses into at least a solid 3 and D player. You've got Luke Kennard as your shooting guard and your point guard as... I don't know. I'm just because everybody said him. Let's just say Fred Van Vliet, okay? So then you've got other guys who are good defenders. Both Van Vliet and Luke Kennard are both good ball handlers who can take on secondary scoring roles. Um, Evan Tur- Not Evan Turner. Miles Turner is a really good complementary offensive player, but none of those guys are guys who are, you're going to give the ball and they're just going to go get you buckets, right? Christian Wood is. I think is that he could- though? Yeah, I think he he definitely is. The question is whether or not he's actually... Okay, the man scored, after that Andre Drummond trade, the man scored 23 points a game on a true shooting percentage of 65% with no point guards. I understand. Okay, that is insane. That That's is the sort of... 13 games. Was it I know, 13 games? I know. I'm just saying, that is insane. I don't care uh, how small the sample size is. All right, you know, I'm all about sample sizes. I'm all about sample sizes. And that's why when I was talking about it, I said most of the kind of rational bits of my brain are like, he's probably going to regress. He's not actually that good. But, man, that 13-game stretch was absolute insanity. He did things that I did not think he was going to be able to do. And if he can keep even close to that kind of production over a whole season, he could be the guy in an offense that's a good offense. On a good team? A good offense. A good team. No, I, I don't, don't know about... about it's going to be a good team. Depends on who his front court parent, mate is. No, see, that's... that's, that's you, that, you, that's if it's, if it's, you it's my... No, if, no, no. Okay, no. if it's Miles Turner, who's like an all-world defender... See, Joe, but that see those are just not unrealistic because that was all over the timeline. So like, so now you got you got Miles Turner in there. With, well, okay, we'll give it to you, Miles Turner. Now you also got Fred Van Vliet. So I don't know how. Okay, not Fred, Fred Van, Van Vliet. Vliet. I Van literally, Turner. I literally said Fred Van Vliet just because that's a name that okay. everyone has linked with. That's not, okay, so then you got Luke Kennard, who's also probably gone in this offseason. Okay, let's make it. Okay, just not Fred Van Vliet. Let's say who would be another good option. Um. Uh. People have Not said his name. We'll just pick another easy name, okay? An easy name that lots of people recognize right away. DJ Augustine. Totally serviceable starting point guard. He's not that good, but he's serviceable. He does the things you need your point guard to do. Okay. Right? So, you've got you've got with Miles Turner. Do you think that... I think that team is making the playoffs. No. <laughs> no. You don't no. think so? 
tell me this. No, just tell me this, please. Okay. Okay, so so you put DJ Augustine in that point guard. You said that Seku develops into a nice 3 and D, at least a nice 3 and D player. Right. What year is that happening in? Because that's not happening until, like, year three. So are we in year three now? I mean, sure. Okay, so now we're, okay, so we're in, we're, so we're. Probably not this next year. Once again, this is probably a year or two out. So add two more years on a DJ Augustine's age. I'm just, I'm just trying to give practical examples that people could recognize. If you prefer, okay, so, okay, I can okay, dig fair. up and give someone who actually, what, because whenever people, guess what? Most people are not dweebs like you and me, so they don't know the rosters of every single team in the league. I'm trying to give an examples of people that have been talked about, so I figure most Pistons fans, even if they're not paying that close attention, have some knowledge of or some awareness okay. of, right? Fair enough. So who, who? Just tell me who in that offense is creating for others. DJ Augustine. DJ Augustine is going to be out there playmaking for others. He's a good passer. Luke Kennard is a good passer. You don't Luke have Kennard. okay. It be it be a lot like the Indiana Pacers of the last two years. Joe, and you've even got one of those players. The you've last got a two monstrous years, Indiana Pacers have had Victor Oladipo. How many assists per game does Victor Oladipo average? And also, but how much Victor has Oladipo how much so much better than how anybody much, on the- How much <laughs> has Victor Oladipo been hurt over the last years, Koo? The man didn't play yeah, a game he, this yeah. season. He didn't play. Yes. You see how good, but the Indiana Pacers team is is deep much deeper than the Victor Pistons Oladipo are. didn't play a game this past season. He played 36 games yes, last season. They have season. Malcolm Brogdon. Okay. So why can't Christian no, Wood, why can't Christian Wood give similar production as Malcolm Brogdon but from the power forward spot? That's what I'm saying. Malcolm, I'm not saying he's good as good as my. I'm saying Malcolm Brogdon was their point guard creating for people. I mean, kind of. Not DJ Augustine. Kind of. No, not get away from me. I'm Malcolm Brogdon, I, I guess he was at seven assists per game this year. Malcolm Brogdon was a demon this year. Chill out. Take it easy. But TJ Warren and Jeremy Lamb were their wing rotations. And that, that that's that's probably better than the Pistons. The, Pist- the Pistons have Luke Kennard. And a perfectly serviceable 3 and D, Sekou Dumboya. Joe, don't make me do it. I and, don't want to do and it. And an el- elite three-point shooter, Svi Mikhailuk. And bulldog defender, Bruce Brown, off the bench. And bulldog effort guy, Thon Maker, who is now a serviceable NBA big. Effort Maker, Thon Maker. <laughs> that team's not making the playoffs. <laughs> that, really? That team's you seriously like don't. You're, I think you're wrong about that. Miles Joe, Turner is a great defender. Christian Wood has off is scoring you buckets. And then you've There's got nobody on that team creating for anybody. <laughs> There's a lot. You could plug a lot of point. You could plug a lot of point guards into that lineup, and it would be fine. Because Luke Kennard can create for others. He can. Like what level though? We're talking about for a good team, Joe. And then, like, at what level can Luke Kennard do that right now? I never realized that you've hated Luke Kennard so much. No, but see, you're going. You're getting out of pocket with it, dude. You're just getting out of pocket. You You don't think Luke Kennard can be? You don't think Luke Kennard can average like four assists per game? Joe, I don't think he can. I don't think he can be a good enough. Uh, he would he he'd be damn near the primary playmaker on that team. No, he wouldn't. Who would be the primary playmaker? DJ Your point Augustine? guard still. DJ August. Have you watched? You've watched lots of Magic games. You because you love Aaron Gordon so much. 
Yes, and I know that TJ Augustine isn't some lifesaver. He can play though, and it's fine. He's okay. He's you can okay. build a decent he's offense with that. Serviceable. You can he build it. You can build a decent offense with that if you've got really good players other places. Joe, the Orlando Magic's team trucked out there. What was it? Marco Fultz, Augustine. They had uh, Aaron Gordon. Yeah. Aaron Isaac, Gordon also is Vucevic. a Aaron Gordon is also a negative offensive player. Nikola okay. Vucevic never gets to the line. And once again, Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac, not exactly offensive showstoppers either. Yes, but they're all better on defense than... Okay, Okay, point, and their defense was actually really good. Okay, yes. And where were they... Exactly my point. And where were they ranked? What, 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 see what they they had, made the playoffs they last year. What, no, I said this year, Joe. What, what were their seed? And what was their seed last year, too? What was it? DJ Augustine got hurt this year. That's probably why they Joe, weren't very what good. what was their seed last year? They were the, they were the seventh seed last year. Okay, and and you're trying to tell. So you believe a team with just that team was a good defensively. Miles Turner is better than Nikola Vucevic. Christian Wood is better than Aaron Gordon. Seiko Dumboya is as good as literally any small forward on that roster. Luke Kennard, Evan Evan Fournier was literally my main comparison for Luke Kennard when he was drafted. Christian Wood is better than Aaron Gordon. I think there, there's a very good possibility he is, yeah. Okay. Aaron Gordon has been a net negative on offense his whole career, man. Okay, and, and Christian Wood's a net negative on defense. I would wait. But Aaron Gordon is not single-handedly making your defense a good defense. And also, Aaron Gordon's effort comes and goes on defense. Isn't that that would be on that's along the same lines of having miscues and forgetting who guy you're guarding? But on once defense. again, Christian that's Wood, Christian Wood can single-handedly make your offense not suck. No, he cannot. No, see, this is not true. I think he I can. I don't believe that. I think he can. See, I think there's a very good chance. He, you're acting like he's Steph Curry or something. It's just not. No, happening. I'm not. I'm not acting like. If it was Steph Curry, it's like he single-handedly makes your offense elite. I'm saying Christian Wood. Yo, who's single- a better offensive player, Derrick Rose or Christian Wood? Um, based on this past year, I'd say they're about equal. You're just see, actually you're they're actually really good comparisons because when they get the ball all the time, they both look awesome. But I'm not sure how good they would be if they don't have the ball in their hands all the time. See, you just smoke crack, dude. You just you just you're on crack. What? Derrick Rose Derrick had an Rose awesome is year. A better creator than Christian Wood is, but he also is not as efficient a scorer. In the end, you got to make the ball go in the hoop, man. Just, just, just end the podcast. I no, I'm not ending that. No, I think, I think you're wilding. My head. Do you hurts. think that team wouldn't make the playoffs? I think that'd be no. a good team. And guess what? No. What if you draft? What if you draft Lamelo Ball What's or Killian Hayes, like? and he ends up being a really good point guard? Joe, you can't just keep. St- you can't just keep adding these good pieces. Okay. Until you get once the again, once again. How is it, Joe, you can't just add these guys that literally all of Pistons Twitter has been talking about hoping to draft no, this summer? No, because you also added Miles Turner, so you can't have two, two, you can't, no, you can't have two of them. I'm just using Miles Turner. Turner as an example. Give me a really no, good Miles defensive. Miles Turner is really freaking good, so. Yeah? <laughs> Give me a good defensive center. Joel Anthony, there you go. You can have Joel. Prime have Joel, Joel Anthony? Anthony? I'd take Prime Joel Anthony. His prime, Joel so, Anthony was good. So prime Joel Anthony is making on that team is making them a playoff team. I mean, he's not the one making them a playoff team, but he could probably fit in okay. Joe, I may have overestimated. I'm, I'm losing brain cells. Here, just saying. Here, just saying. 
God. <clears throat> Joel Anthony, at age 29, played 20 minutes a game on an NBA champion. Because they had LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. And now you're getting out of Chris B- LeBron James. A champion. Joel Joe, Anthony. Christian Wood, you're, you're getting out of Put some respect on Joel Anthony's name. You're, putting, you're getting out of pocket. NBA champion, Joel Anthony. Jeez, I didn't know you hated Joel Anthony that much. No, it's not. Look, obviously, Joel Anthony is an extreme case here, man. Like, clearly. Like, not to you know mention, what? You know what? You know what? You know what? We're going to go. We're going to go there. Not to mention, Wait, not to just mention second, Derek just Rose is a better playmaker than Christian Wood. I didn't say he wasn't. But Christian okay, Wood so is also so a way Rose more efficient scorer. But Christian Wood is also a way more efficient scorer. Like, way more. But he can't play. But that. But, oh, my God. One guy. Makes your offense put the ball in the hoop efficiently by passing it. So one guy, Rose. one guy makes your offense. That's what I'm saying. It's just two different ways to make your offense good. They both had similar effects on the Pistons' offense this year. No, Derrick Rose can put the bucket in the hole, and he can play make at an adequate level. But Christian he Wood doesn't. Do it. He's he awful doesn't. He's not even adequate. Awful. He doesn't put the ball in the basket nearly as efficiently as Chris Wood. All right, man. All right, okay. Yeah, you can, Here, right, just a second. Right, just a second. Okay. You ready okay. for this? You ready for this? Ed Davis. Joe, if you don't, and I tell, dude, if you don't, please end this podcast. Ed Davis is your new starting center. The longer you're going on, the more you're making me, I'm, I, I can't. What's wrong with Ed Davis? Tristan Thompson. Okay, Tristan Thompson is your new starting center. Even with Tristan Thompson, that team's not making the playoffs. I think you're insane. So, so we're, just mind you, so we have to go two years down the road. So you're right now. So, so you said Seku's a good three so you hate, player. So, so that's you like two hate, years away. So you hate Christian Wood. No, we're going two years down the road, Joe. You hate Christian Wood. So now Christian Thompson's two years older. I mean, he's not that old, is he? DJ Augustine's two years older. And so Tristan Thompson is then going to be like 29. DJ Augustine, DJ Augustine is purely just a standing. You could put, I'm just saying, NBA replacement like? level point guard. What's the bench looking like? Steve McKaylo, Bruce Brown, Thon Maker. Then what? Thon? Okay, see, no, see, no. Like Thon Maker no. was fine this year. What issues did we have with Thon Maker this season? Joe. We've talked about this. Joe, he was no, perfectly we, serviceable. No, Thon Maker was fine compared to Thon. Thon, Thon Maker was perfect. Standard. Thon Maker was a net positive in low minutes for a big chunk of this season. Joe, Don Maker had a minus 6.3 on-off. I mean, have you seen the Pistons team's on-off? Don Maker, Don Maker, <laughs> the Pistons team was eight points worse with Don Maker on the floor. You know, I feel like that's really not his fault. No, okay. <laughs> All right. Of anybody who played at least, of anybody who played at least, what, 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 where's the minutes? On court, all right, right here. Of anyone who played at least seven hundred minutes, that's second worst. All right, we're gonna go get, we're gonna go get Isaiah Thomas as our point guard. How about that? I the wait. It, are you going back in time now, or are you talking about the one currently? I'm talking about the one currently. <laughs> The one that's horrific on defense. He can he can create no, on dude, offense. There's your offensive creator. Boom. No. 
He's not good anymore, Off- and he's one of the worst defenders in the <laughs> Boom. entire NBA. Offensive creator right there, all set. No worries. He's not good anymore. All right, how about this? Terry Rozier. Joe, you'd need a star at point guard to make that team. No, you wouldn't. That's not yes. true. Joe, that see, is not true. Once again, Christian Wood is not carrying that offense to being good because he can't play make for nothing. And he and now you're just, now you're betting. So not only can he not play make, you're betting that that 13 game sample will sustain. And now, even then, I don't believe he's making your offense good because no one can play make. That's why you have him play with someone who can play make. You haven't named one playmaker. Ricky Rubio. That 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 right there is probably the most fair one you've said. Dave? And even then, still no playoff. You don't you don't think Ricky Rubio would at point guard would make that a playoff team? Joe, I'm about to I'm about to Are just you leave high? this call. <coughs> I'm about to just leave this call. Why would you do that? Because you're getting out of pocket. What about Sir Pubes, Jamal Murray? Okay, fair. Yeah, they'll be there. There you go. Monte Morris. No. Is he even a point guard? He's not even a point guard, is he? Oh, he is a point Jamal guard. Jamal Murray, yes, playoff team. Monte Morris. No. No? He's good. What do you have against him? I, I never said he wasn't. I said that that's still not a playoff team. How about this? Here, I've got one for you. How about this? Steph Curry. I... <laughs> End the podcast. You don't think they'd be a playoff team with Steph Curry? And he only no, shot twenty four percent from three this year. I understand. You know, end and he's podcast. pretty weak. He really oh, most overrated player in history. Not even close. Man, if that guy played in the nineties or early two thousands, he would have been. See, poof, and this is what happens. When barbecue you chicken on the podcast. Barbecue chicken, he starts, Ernie. He starts. He, <laughs> he starts getting out of pocket. <laughs> what about? What about DeLon Wright? No. DeLon Wright's a good player. Joe, the main, the, the point stays the same. It, the, the main point you're going to – the main point is Christian Woods not being your main offensive player on a good team. I think it's you're wrong. About, I think you are wrong about that. Okay, we'll see next year then. We'll see next I year. I probably won't because example. they're probably going to be awful anyway. So Mind you, my question, no, matter. no, stop, stop, stop right there. I was about to say – 13, let's see if the 13-game sample goes over for 82 games next year. But actually, we don't even need to do that. Let's look at the 13-game sample. How good was the pit, were the Pistons during that that little stretch? What was his offense winning games Okay. <laughs> the Pistons were a lot better with him on the floor. Well, were they winning games? No. Okay. Cool. They were game, They lost. Cool. How many games did they win? They were 1-12. One, one yes. Okay. <laughs> That's like the Cool. <laughs> cool. You cannot, you cannot hold that against Christian Wood. That's like the, I, that might be the worst. What that that probably was the worst team over that thirteen game. I mean, it was easily. And you want me to believe that he's gonna be the best, he's gonna be your best player on a play? Cool, hey, cool. What, what was their what, what was their net rating when he was on the floor? Joe, I don't First care. Off it. What was it? No, I, I just want to know. I don't. I'm look, I can look at it right now because I have it pulled up. Okay, then what is it? What is the net rating with him on the floor? And what was their net rating with him off the floor over those thirteen oh games? Oh my god! Tell Joe, me. please, man, please, man. What was it when he was there on the floor? Two points better with him on the floor. Eight uh, four, four points worse uh, with them. That off. is not true. What What That's is the net rating right when he was on the floor over those thirteen games? Oh, I don't. Oh, not the thirteen games. Go Dude, ahead. Bring that up. That okay. One. 
When he was on the floor, there are minus 1.6 points per 100 possessions. When he was off the floor, take a guess. Wait, what was he on the floor? Minus 1.6. Okay, so they were losing anyway with them on okay, the floor. What just... was he when they were off, when he was off the floor? I don't know. Minus uh, no, 29. They were losing with That them. is a 27 point swing coup. You know, you know what that tells me? That you know he's that basically that Jesus? That tells me that tells me that they go from being a bad team with them on the floor to being a high school team with them off. That's what it tells me. Not that he's great. Except over the whole season, aka including some times where they hadn't gotten rid of all of their good players, they were plus two with him on the floor. All right, Joe. So if once again, Joe, if you want to say a team with Andre Drummond, Reggie Jackson, Blake Griffin, Derrick Rose, and Christian Wood and Luke Kennard, then okay, then you can get me with a playoff team. But that's not what you're giving me. You you went to you went to the depths of bringing up 2011 Joel Anthony. Yeah, I would I would take that version of Joel Anthony. I loved him when he was in Detroit. He was awesome. He played only yeah. like every ten games when he come out and he just get like six blocks. That was great. Like, that was hysterical to watch. Get away from me. How about this? Hassan Whiteside is center. No. Boom. No. Hassan no. Whiteside is your center. Keep him away. And you're picking up... Uh, Keep him away. And you pick up... Uh, he's not really a point guard. And Hassan Fernice. Whiteside immediately makes your team worse. All right. What about this? All right. Carmelo Anthony is your small forward. How about now? What's... Joe... I can't tell if you're trolling or actually being serious anymore. Okay, cool. What if they just keep Derrick Rose? What if he's your point guard going forward? Joe, Joe, no. Don't you dare. No, see, see, uh, no, I'm going to tell everybody who's still listening to this. You probably aren't listening to it still. They're probably at like an hour you don't, and a half You don't right think now, that's but... a fair question? What? No, He supposedly stop. likes it so much in Detroit. What if they just no, keep him Joe, as their, as their point guard? doing this. No. You just everybody, said he facilitates for here, I'm going to tell you guys what Joe's doing right now. Joe's bringing up Derrick Rose because this is what's going to happen. And if I say no... Joe's going to use this in a future debate and be like, oh, cool, you remember? Now, you sit here and say Derrick Rose all this good, but you still wouldn't even say that he'd make it. See, he's just using this to flip around a potential argument that comes around I didn't in the say future, that. and I won't, I won't bite. I didn't say that. I won't bite. It's I not happening. I didn't say that. Joe, it doesn't matter. I don't care what you say. Eric Bledsoe. Eric Bledsoe. The Bucks want to get rid of him so bad, it seems, every single so year. Joe, so, okay, so now we're adding Eric Bledsoe to the team. We're adding Miles Turner. We're adding Sekou Dumboya, and he's a good player. We got Luke Kennard, who, who, Joe, see, this is just a bunch of BS. What do you mean? You're adding two players who are not on the roster? That's actually pretty, Possibly. that's pretty realistic. Possibly with Eric Bledsoe. Possibly. You're adding two, te- two guys who are not on Possibly the current roster. Eric Bledsoe. But Eric Bledsoe was also, everyone was saying that he should have been an all-star, how good he was playing. So, I mean, it is what it is. Goran so Dragic. So he's definitely better than Christian Wood. He would be your best player. Goran Dragic. No. You don't think Goran Dragic's good? Not anymore. <laughs> Did you watch any of the Heat this year, man? I, I follow He wasn't starting, but he was pretty good. Yeah, but I also 16 follow the and guys, five. and he talks about all the time. He, talk, he, he said plenty negative about that man, Goran Dragic, what he can't do anymore. And it doesn't sound like anything that the Pistons want hands with. And he is 33. Uh, well, unless that's, unless you're going, unless you're saying, that we're, unless you're throwing another hypothetical out there, and now we're getting 28 Dragic with this team. What if we bring back Spencer Dinwiddie? 
Maybe. I think Spencer Dinwiddie is one of the worst players that I've listed here. So, over who? Hmm. I think Spencer. He's Dinwiddie. better than Goran Dragic. Hank, get, get, just please, can you please end this podcast? I don't know about that. Yes, he is. He's Spen- very, he's Spen- definitely Spen- better than Goran Spencer Dragic. had a pretty rough year. He's better than Goran Dragic. He's better than Kyrie Irving. I tell you that much. Yeah. Kyrie Irving is such a cancer man. Yeah. You're a demon. <laughs> Who's a demon? You a demon? My sister. Oh, you a demon? Yeah. Joe, I'm about to hang up this podcast. Why would you do that? Because we're venturing into points. I'm just, I'm just sure. making you wait as long as you made me wait for you to get on here. <laughs> Listen, I couldn't help the fact that this thing was like kept restarting its update. I don't know what the hell is going on. Okay, so to recap, Laurie Markkinen is straight booty. Christian Wood is probably not going to be worth more than like ten or eleven million a year. There's a part of Joe that is worried about not paying him because he could possibly be good enough. The Pistons should hope that they don't let everybody go and then have Blake Griffin be awesome next year because that would suck. And Kuka Hill hates Christian Wood. Please direct all of your hate mail. I do not, mail. I do Please not direct all Wood. of your hate mail to Kuka Hill. I have nothing. I, to, I have no. You know I have nothing what, in yeah. here. I've said nothing but good things about Christian Wood here. Direct, direct. I've said Christian Wood. Okay, I am on the record. Christian Wood, he is probably a good enough offensive player to be the best offensive player on a championship team. I okay. So So, uh, everybody, all of you, I know everybody really loves Christian Wood. I am one of you. Direct, direct all the hate towards me. Kuka Hill, direct it to me. Kuka Hill is not one of you. (laughs) Correct, direct it all towards me, and then in, in, in a year and a half. When you guys don't like him no more because we gave him money and you guys don't like paying people, and a year and a half when you guys all hate him again, I'll be sending out all yeah, these. How about to how about that? Okay, that'll be what we'll finish on because you 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 tweeted this the other day. How long until Pistons fans start to not Next like year. Christian Wood? Next year, I think yes. so too. I think the only way that they don't is if they're good next year. And the only way that happens is if is if Blake is healthy. And I on record saying that I don't think that happens. One of the funniest tweets I got on Twitter when I tweeted that, this guy tweeted at me, and I don't even know who it is, so if you're listening, yes, I'm talking to you, but this, this, one of these guys tweeted at me, oh, why do you keep acting like it's about winning? We don't care if you lose, we just want you to play hard. Oh my god. <laughs> I saw that shit too, Dude. man. It's baffling to me. And like, and then people say, like, I wonder sometimes uh, if people, like, what people like were you dropped as a child? I mean, like the way the people and people talk about oh Blake, the way Blake Griffin hustles his ass. Every, Blake Griffin is one of the most lazy ass players I've ever seen in a Pistons uniform. Come on, Josie, you start getting out of pocket with disrespect. You think Blake. that's out of pocket? I'm not disrespecting Blake. Blake Griffin is awesome. It's okay. NBA superstars are lazy when they're on the floor a lot. They take plays off constantly. They don't move without the ball. It'd be great if everybody could be Steph Curry or Tim Duncan. But guess what? Most of them ain't. Blake Griffin ain't. Blake Griffin plays the laziest freaking defense consistently. But he takes some charges, so he shows real toughness. Dude complains to the refs, doesn't get back on defense constantly. 
But hey, he scores baskets. Like, it's just wild to me because, you know, so people from Detroit act like being from Detroit is a cult. They're always like, oh, we're all so tough and stuff. You're not. You're not any different. Blake Griffin, the most Hollywood player ever, the guy who literally his entire career, people have been like, yeah, he's kind of soft. He's more worried about his comedy career. Like, he is the most undetroit player ever. He shows up, and everyone immediately loves him. And you know why? Because he's really good. So get out of here with that, oh, we need guys who are going to play hard. You don't care about that. You want guys who are good, and you want the team to win. You're not different from everywhere else. That's what you care about, and that's fine. That's what you should care about. I don't care how hard a team plays if they lose every night. I want to see a team that actually wins, right? Guess what? The one guy on the roster after the Andre Drummond trade who was who had fairly consistent lapses in effort and focus was Christian Wood. Guess what else? The one guy who was even remotely worth watching after the Andre Drummond trade was Christian Wood. You know why? Because Christian Wood was so comically much better than anybody else that was on the team at that point. Well, at least once Derrick Rose was hurt. You know what I mean? Like, just admit it, people. You're not... You don't just want to see guys who just try hard. No, you want guys who are good, who are going to win. And that's not an insult. That means you're not stupid. That's what that means. Because anybody that actually is like, oh, I just want a team that tries hard. I don't care if they lose. You're stupid. Okay? That's what you are, if you think that. If you actually think that. You'd rather watch a team score 70 points. Oh, but they played hard. Like, people talk about the 4 team and the bad boys. Like, they... Do you realize how freaking talented those teams were? I tweeted this the other day. The bad boys had three Hall of Famers in their prime and two other guys who made multiple All-Star games. And Bill Lambeer and... Uh, who was the other one? Um, not Dantley. Oh, who did they trade Dantley for? Vinnie I Johnson. always get his name wrong. McGuire. Vinnie Johnson. Yeah, Vinnie Johnson was a multiple-time All-Star. But McGuire... Or Aguirre. Man, I always forget his name. Mark Aguirre. Yeah. Multiple-time All-Star. Okay? People act like this was some... People act like that was some team that didn't have any... T- Isaiah Thomas, wasn't he the number one overall pick? Like, yeah, Isaiah Thomas was tough. Isaiah Thomas had all that stuff that people like. But you know what else Isaiah Thomas had? He was w- wickedly talented as a basketball player. Wickedly talented. And he was incredibly good. Guess what? You didn't love Isaiah Thomas because he was tougher than everyone else. You loved Isaiah Thomas because he was better than everyone else. Okay? Guess what? Steve Blake was the toughest, baddest, most competitive player ever. Everybody says that. Kobe Bryant raved about what a freaking competitor that guy was. Guess what else? By the time he got to Detroit, he sucked. I don't want Steve Blakes on my team. I want guys who can play. That's what you want first. So, when I say Blake Griffin was lazy on defense, that's not saying that people should have hated Blake Griffin. That's saying, be honest about it. You didn't hate Andre Drummond because of some perceived thing about him not playing hard, or any other guy. You hated Andre Drummond because you thought it was his fault that the team didn't win when he was here, even though he's the only guy that never got hurt. The team every year falls apart around him, but it's his fault. That's why you hated Andre Drummond, because the team lost. The first year they made the playoffs, people didn't hate on Andre Drummond that much. And guess what? That was, like, not actually a very good year for him. 
He had a true shooting percentage, like 49%. His defense was not very good most of that season. People didn't hate on him. You know why? Because the team actually won games. It was the year after that when people started to really turn on him. You know why? Because the team sucked. You know why the team sucked? Reggie Jackson got hurt. That's why the team sucked. Andre Drummond wasn't any worse. In fact, by most measures, his volume numbers went down a bit, but by most measures, Andre Drummond was better. But they lost. Just be honest about it. So yeah, that's stupid crap. That guy responded, oh, we just need guys who play hard. It's not about winning. It is about winning. If everyone doesn't get hurt this year, and the Pistons won, I don't know, it's like, what did we say? I think before the season we had agreed that if nobody got hurt, which wasn't that realistic, but if the Pistons got very lucky with injuries, the Pistons could maybe win like 48 games, right? That's what we about agreed on was kind of the upper end, right? Hypothetically? Sure. Okay, I'm pretty sure we agreed on that. If they'd won that many games, and Andre Drummond had played awesome, you want to know how many people would have been complaining about Andre Drummond? Not many. Or anyone else. People wouldn't have complained about Reggie Jackson. The reason that the narrative eventually shifted and people stopped complaining about Reggie Jackson is that there was such a clear correlation to when Reggie Jackson is not hurt, the Pistons win basketball games. That correlation became so comically clear that people are like, oh, he actually helps us win games. That's it. It's just that simple. So if you tweet at Koo, oh, we just want Christian Wood. No. If they suck next year, you're going to turn on Christian Wood. Stop fooling yourself. You're the only one that you're fooling. If the Pistons suck next year, you're going to turn on Christian Wood. Doesn't matter what he does. You'll turn on anybody if they don't win because you're stupid. That's it. Right? You're stupid. You don't watch games. You don't pay attention. You don't give a rip. You don't know what you're talking about. You you got cut from the high school basketball team and are convinced it's because just because the coach hates you. I played harder than everyone else. That's what all I want. I don't need a guy. You know, I had more heart than the other guys. No. You sucked at basketball. That's why you got cut. Come on. It's that simple. I got cut from a sport when I was in high school. I didn't think it's because the coach hated me. It's because I'm slow for a soccer player. I'm a good soccer player, but I picked the wrong sport to play. I'm a big, strong guy, not a fast guy. Guess what they don't have a lot of use for in soccer? Big, strong guys that are not that fast. It's not because the coach hated me. And guess what? I went and I played rugby, which you do have a lot of use for big, strong guys. And guess what? I was actually no, good I'm at that. No. Okay? It's wild. You like the things you're good at. You like teams that are good. It's not about how tough they are or anything else. Like, yeah, it'd be great if it could be like the Bad Boys or the 4 team where they're really good and really tough. I, everyone loves Rasheed Wallace. Rasheed Wallace complained constantly to the refs. Portland hated Rasheed Wallace because he would never shut up. If the Pistons sucked, everyone would have hated Rasheed Wallace. They would have been like, oh my gosh, this guy, shut up, man. You need to stop doing this. But they were awesome. So they were like, oh, yeah, Rashid, it was great the way he was so like you that. stop disrespecting these guys. Man. I'm not disrespecting that. I'm disrespecting these idiot fans. You didn't like Rashid Wallace because he complained to the refs and got a bunch of stupid technical fouls. You liked Rashid Wallace because he was a spectacular defender. And even though he didn't put up huge numbers with the Pistons, he was a wickedly talented offensive player. Seriously, you can go look it up. When he was younger, like when he was just coming into the league, 
And even now, you can hear scouts that will say, Rasheed Wallace was one of the most individually talented players that I've ever scouted. I talked, there was a guy that um, sat next to me at a drive game last year. I was talking to him about it. And he said that. The most talented individual guy he ever scouted was Rasheed Wallace. All right? That's why you loved Rasheed. Because he was really good at basketball. Not because he was tough and, oh, he complained to the refs and it was fun. No. If he loses, he's Boogie Cousins. But he wins. So he's not Boogie Cousins. It's that simple. So get out of here with that nonsense. Don't come into my timeline saying it. Don't go into Koo's timeline saying it. Don't go into anyone's timeline saying it. Go into your shower, cry about the fact that your dad didn't love you enough, and say it to yourself. That's all it is. Take your daddy issues somewhere else. It's that simple. (laughs) Got anything else you want to add on there, Koo? Nope, nothing at all. Okay. All right, well, we're almost to two hours, so I'd say this is a good podcast. Um, And then, yeah, so I said this earlier, but once again... um, so going forward, we'll hopefully be at least somewhat regular because neither of us are doing anything else right now. And we'll basically just go player by player. Ideally, just one player per podcast. Obviously, that means some of them will be longer than others. But just kind of go player by player. We'll talk about how the season went, what we expect in the future, whether or not they are going to be a part of the future, stuff like that. And yeah, and I think, and also Koo's been releasing a lot of YouTube videos, Um I think the hope is that I'm going to appear in some of his shows as well going forward. Um, But either way, whether I appear in them or not, you should go support that. Some of his videos have been really good. He had James Edwards of The Athletic on, and he had Vince Edwards, Vince Edwards, Vince Ellis, formerly of the Free Press, now of um, Platinum Equity. And also congrats to Vince for getting that job. Very glad that he's sticking around. We both really like Vince a lot. He's a really good guy. Um, So, yeah, so check out Kuz YouTube. And look out for more podcasts because there should be more going forward. So stay beautiful, everybody, and go Pistons.